Another episode of the Woods Water Mizzou podcast. I'm your host, Skeeter, along with me as usual are Case and Cole. How y'all doing? Good. Good. How are y'all? Fellas, let's go and get into it. It's a uh, big week for collegiate players, football players, hoping for the NFL draft. Um, and our Tigers got just a one or two guys probably going to get drafted. Isaiah McGuire, I feel like, for sure going to be probably round three, four, somewhere in there. Uh, but then you have DJ Coleman, Martez Manuel, and outside of that, anybody else would probably be uh, undrafted free agent signing, I would believe, right? Yeah. Um, I would think so. I did a little like kind of scouring the what everyone's saying, and uh, Isaiah McGuire looks like he's a lock. Um, Martez is kind of a weird one. He's got he ranges anywhere from people saying that he is like getting way more buzz than what people are hearing that he plays a good position for the NFL, and that he could end up going around four or five. And then I hear people saying that he is uh, going to be a free agent pickup after the draft. So um, not sure where to place on him. And, you know, I kind of, I guess I, I, I kind of understand it. I mean, you look at his career, he is, you know, he's a leader. That looks great. Two-time captain. Um, he uh, struggled a little bit in pass coverage, though it's rough as a safety, but he was absolutely great coming up and making stopping the run. So, yeah, I'm not sure where Martez falls. I sure hope he gets picked, though. I think he's got more than enough determination and grit to find a spot in the league. Yeah, I think if I had to put money down, I'd say Isaiah and Martez. I could see Martez going like sixth round. I could mm-hmm. see Isaiah going like probably third or fourth round, as high as third round, but probably realistically like fourth round. Um, and I do think I think DJ Coleman will be a, uh, I think it'll be an undrafted free agent. Unfortunately, I'd love to see him get drafted. I'd love to be wrong, but. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll see. I don't know how heavy. I don't know how defensive line heavy this draft class is. So, so if it happens like you just predicted, that'll be the first time in twelve years Mizzou has not had multiple drafts, multiple picks in the draft. Well, even at two. Yeah, uh, we've had two last year. Um, every year for the last twelve years, we've had at least two guys. In twenty twenty one, we broke our record. We had five guys drafted. Good year. So, um, worth looking at. Other guys that are have put a name in for the draft are uh, Bannister, um, Kading, the kicker, and uh, Kibbit. Oh, man. We have a tight end that I don't know his name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. What do you guys see the prospect of Bannister getting picked up? I don't know if he'll be a pick, but you think he's someone that could see uh, camp time, maybe make a roster in the – the OTAs. Yeah, I would say Bannister, you know, he's he relies more on his um 
brains and doing it right than God-given talent. Like, not saying he's not talented, but uh, I feel like he's got to work at it harder, and he's he has his steps down, his route tree down, all that. And uh, I believe he's got the work ethic behind him to do the little things and get on the special teams plays and all that, that it would take for him to make an NFL roster. What about you, Cole? New England Patriots lock. Belichick's there. He's going to be taking (laughs) up all of the uh, sub six foot white slot receivers. Uh, Yeah. Too bad. Tom Brady's out there to make him a two-time all-star like every one of those guys as well. (laughs) But no. um, Yeah. Skeeter. I think that's actually, I think that's a pretty good, like, you know, kind of analysis comparison is that, you know, he, he does play the game smart, um, plays calculated. I, I mean, I think he can definitely be, at minimum, a, um, you know, special teams benefit to some team out there. But I just, you know, this day and age with the NFL, um, size and its wide receivers is huge. So, and, you know, I mean, you can't, can't coach size, unfortunately. And, you know, you can't change your size of, you know, your body overnight. So. That's let's just kind of one thing that's not in his favor. Let's talk about the fact that in today's day and age, the NFL is not the end all be all and play professional ball in this country. I mean, I'll be honest, I think it's a bit silly, but we've got two uh spring leagues that these guys can go and compete in and make make a little bit of money, maybe raise their stock, you know. I actually don't know how much USFL or XFL's guys get paid, but um uh, if, it, if it didn't happen for him, this uh, training camp, that's not the end of the world for him. No, Absolutely. no, not at all. And I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the uh, the episode four of Uncut Diamonds today, but that was honestly that was my favorite episode so far, just because it goes into. Did you guys watch it? I'm waiting for after yeah. this because I like to watch it on my actual big TV, not my phone during work. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it it does a they do a very good job of like, you know, showing both sides of the ball or, you know, I guess, hypothetically speaking, um, you know, the looking at the football side of things and then off the field, um, they do a really, really good job of capturing like, you know, what they do in house for these players. It goes into strength and conditioning and player development and it, it interviews all those people that are quote unquote behind the scenes um, for, you know, for our program. And it's just, it's pretty cool to see that, that, you know, that these players have that readily available at their disposal and that they're, you know, obviously all utilizing it. I've, I've got a little quiz, NFL draft quiz for y'all right now. Uh, how many active players on NFL rosters, which can include practice squad, does Mizzou have in the NFL? Fourteen. I'll say a um, undercut case. I'm gonna say twelve. Twenty-three. Ooh. Let's go. Prices right, rules. I win. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna add to that tomorrow, which is good. Yeah, and and then the highest. I wish two of the Chiefs in there. Sorry. But the, the the highest overall uh, draft pick from Mizzou, and it's a tie. Is it is it Sheldon Richardson? 
No. Thought he was high in the first round, like sixth or so. I should know this. I feel dumb for not not stopping my head. Cole, you got a guess? Uh, so the highest, the highest drafted Mizzou player. Yes. Is it Blaine Gabbert? Uh, no. Is it like Fudge. 17th? It's hot, way higher. higher than that. Two of them have been fourth overall. Justin Smith in 2001. I should have known that one. And then uh, tackle Russ Washington in 1968 went to the San Diego Chargers. Uh, the fourth pick overall out of the first round. I would never have guessed that one. <laughs> so we have had two number fours taken in the draft as our highest draft picks. And, you know, next year's class coming out with all the returners we had come on defense, uh, I feel we we might have a chance. And then the year after that will be Luther's first year being eligible uh, with his talent. I would love for him to be at Mizzou for four years, but I'm not holding my breath on that. If we get him for three, that'd be an absolute win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If he goes off and has a year like Waddle did for Alabama, um, I know we probably won't go to Natty, but I mean, just stats like Waddle had, which I think Luther is very capable of. Um, yeah. He absolutely could be someone to go like top five overall. I can yeah. see, I would see Chris Abrams train going high as well. I feel like receivers typically get taken in the second round and there's, unless they're just, you know, Absolute freaks in nature, athletically, yeah. you know, DK Metcalf type guys. But I feel like the league, with it starting to shift to a more offensive heavy league, you have to compensate that with your defensive talent. And so I do feel like, you know, a lot of linemen get picked in round one, which is like the opposite of, you know, you think of a fantasy draft, right? Like, you're not, <laughs> of course, you don't draft linemen in a fantasy draft, but you get my point. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, do. I could see Chris Abrams train um, definitely and D-Rob, Dennis Robinson going very, very high. Which leads me to, I was reading in an article, uh, the staff is going around the state doing these uh, little public showings. I'm not really sure what you call them, but uh, they were at St. Louis uh, earlier this week. And Drinkwitz got on the mic and was asked about QB. And y'all, have y'all seen this, read this? Yes, I am aware. <laughs> Go ahead and break the news to our listeners who he said would be QB1 right now. Uh, he said Cook is the uh, the starter until someone knocks him off the throne, essentially, right? You said he cooks the guy until he gets beat out? Yep. Um, I wrote that kind of on my notes, so uh, it's Cook's job to lose. What does that mean to you guys? I think I took it a little less set in stone and more him just supporting his guy and, frankly, his decision he made last year. Um, I still think it's neck and neck with Horn and Garcia and uh, Cook. Uh, what do you guys think? I love it. I love the competition aspect um you know i guess one could argue that like well he just said who the starter is going to be but i don't i don't think that's the case you have a whole new offensive coordinator in and yes 
in most programs and it's ultimately going to be up to the head coach to decide, you know, who, who gets the nod and who gets to start. But I don't know, man, this, you know, we're going into essentially year three of this and I'm to the point now where I don't even care who it is. It could be Tommy <laughs> Locke for all I care. If long as we're going out there and we're winning ball games, that is all I care about. The, yeah. Brady's numbers were not terrible. No, uh, they weren't. The, Middle the, of the, road. Part that, the part that was frustrating was there were a lot of plays that seemed to be left on the field. A lot of yards that we didn't get on misthrows, misreads, uh, taking untimely sacks. And yes, offensive line play was not great, but the quarterback can help adjust, uh, you know, for a weaker offensive line on. If you know your line's not that good, well, get the ball out of your hand quicker. You know, uh, move in the pocket a little bit different. And toward the end of the year, when he started moving more, he was way more efficient. I feel Brady Cook is the safe choice uh, for Eli Drinkwitz and company uh, just because he has the starter experience with the majority of the roster and uh, that's where Drink's comfortable with. But uh, I don't. I don't think Drinkwitz can play it safe this year and shoot for six and six. I tend no, to agree. No, not at all. I I actually really agree with what you said about leaving plays in the field. Um, man, there were a lot. Of, I think there was always a big play that Cook couldn't convert or didn't see. That being said, there's a lot of you know third downs that cook made happen with his legs because he's a tough yeah. runner uh you got to give cook that but no I, you're right cook is safe cook's not going to turn a ball over a lot he's not going to throw a lot of touchdowns he's going to be right there in the middle but when you've got the absolute horsepower we have a wide receiver i need a guy a little more daring a little more arm strength yeah yeah well Let's go ahead and, well, unless you'll have anything else football, I was going to go ahead and transition to basketball real quick. I got one thing on football, then we'll get off it. Um, okay. So we kind of mentioned this previous, but I want to bring it up uh, here. It sounds more and more likely that uh, Cameron Johnson from Houston is not going to be a Missouri Tiger. We were all really hoping for him, and it looks like they were trying to move him to center. We talked that last week. That still leaves us with a sizable gap at center and an unsured up O-line. Um, right now, what I've been reading is Josh Simmons from San Diego State is our top O-line priority after Cameron Johnson. Cameron Johnson. What is your guys' opinion? What do you guys want to see uh, to help sure that up and to finish off that portal class? Well, uh, give it about another five more hours, and there'll probably be probably another fifteen Colorado Buffaloes on the transfer portal, <laughs> and we might be able to snag one of them. Speaking of a D, a defensive end from Michigan who is leaving there after just going there is on the portal, and that would be an absolute fantastic pickup. Yeah, yeah, that'd be huge. Um, I also know that that uh, defensive end out of Florida State that we had on a visit, um, his name's slipping me right now, but. He just committed to Colorado, which, you know, until they sign the national letter of intent, I feel like commitments don't mean anything. Uh, We talked about that last week with, well, I don't know if it was in version one or two of our recording last week. Eh. 
it was um, the gray kid out of uh, out of St. Louis that committed and then took a visit to Oregon, decommitted from Mizzou, and recommitted at the same time to Oregon, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, I mean, as of right now, I mean, projected depth chart, I don't know, is, is Polgar back? Polgar, the... Uh, He's back, but it, yeah. I've heard, we've heard nothing good about him through camp, so forth, through spring camp. So I know one thing, you know, we just brought in a new offensive line coach. Um, he's he's got work cut out for him for sure. Not only on the recruiting trail, but you know to to sure up the most important part of your offense, because as we've discussed before, or I've, I think I've mentioned before, I don't care who you have back there, quarterback. If your offensive line is trash, your quarterback play is going to be trash. It uh, I mean, we we saw some improvement as the year went on with Tomlinson, but you know, can he keep improving? But at the same time, like the coach, I, I don't care if we have five star at every position. Uh, if you can, I, I feel you should always look to better yourself if there's somebody out there because at the end of the day, you're judged on wins and losses. You're not judged off friendships and all that. So uh, Drinkwitz and his staff's ultimate responsibility is to build a winner at Zoo. And so them looking hard at the portal maybe doesn't necessarily mean we don't have guys that can, can do it and do it well, but you kind of want them looking in the portal, even if they do feel good about what they have. Oh, yeah. I mean, that Josh Vince kids we're looking at is going to Ohio State tomorrow. Ohio State is O-line is full of nothing but high four stars and, you know, whatever else. And they're trying to get this kid. So it's you're right. You need to constantly try and up your team. And you figure out so much more about them once they get on campus, right? Yep. It changes everything. First news that come out since last episode was Caleb Brown uh, has entered the transfer portal. Uh, he is the younger brother to Kobe Brown, and everywhere, every comment I read under that tweet was everybody was like, "Well, that's Kobe's gone. Kobe's gone. Kobe's gone." And then, uh, what two or three days later, Kobe announces his intention to. Uh, I guess just kind of see what the NBA tells him, which we all kind of figured all along, but he, he did leave it open. Well, <laughs> we lost Cole there, but he Cole did Cole leave Cole. it open. Do what? Oh, that was, yeah, I saw it cold up. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say uh, he did leave it open for him to come back. Uh, so... Yeah, and I saw he hired an agent, but he did it in the parameters that um, I guess there's certain agencies you can hire that if you don't like what you're going to draft, you're still able to go back and play college ball. And that happened today, I saw. So, um, yeah, it's interesting, right? We're going to have to see how it all goes. And, I mean, um, I, th- I think with them recruiting a Cleveland guy from Florida State, I think that is – that is supposed to be kind of a replacement for Kobe. 
Uh, even though I've heard there's a lot of momentum for him to Auburn and that he's maybe not looking Mizzou's way anymore. Um, but man, I, I would just go ahead and Kobe had a great, had a great career here. I would go ahead and just get ready to watch him at the next level and then see him in a Mizzou uniform again. Yes. My, to save myself the, the disappointment and heartache, uh, I've already accepted in my mind that I will not see Kobe Brown in a Mizzou Tiger uniform again. I have as well, and I think that's the way to look at it. And I will happily be shocked and be wrong in this case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we we would welcome him back at any moment he wants to come back. But uh, I feel, you know, he he's got the size, the skill, he's got the game tape. Yes, there's things he could work on that the NBA is going to critique, but even the number one overall pick is going to have stuff that they're going to critique. So uh, I'm excited to see his professional career go somewhere. Yeah. You know what? And if he does go to the league, I'm excited for that because I, I'm i from Kansas City. I, I don't have a pro team. I'm the kind of person who I root for my local teams. I love my Chiefs. I love my Royals. I love my Tigers. Uh, but I will definitely root for uh, Kobe the level. I root, you know, I root for Demari Carroll. I root for Clarkson. But I, I'll be, I will be excited to follow NBA next year if Kobe's in there. I just he's been he's been Mr. Mizzou all four years here. You can't ask for a better guy to to wave the flag for us. So as much as I would love to see him in our uniform again next year, I will root for him and be his number one fan of NBA next year. Cole, I know you dropped out and you jumped back in. You, you have any thoughts on Caleb transferring and Colby declaring for the draft? Yeah, I mean, I don't like you said. I I dropped out for whatever reason, but um, and you guys may have already covered this. I think Caleb's transferring is simply the kid wants to play, um, and with the transfers that are being brought in for the basketball program, um, I don't think are lucrative to his playing time so with that being said um i don't think kobe's declaration for the draft has anything to do with caleb you know i think kobe was like well my brother's entering the portal so i might as well go and go to the league i think you know kobe's trying to chase his dream um and you know he hasn't he's maintained his eligibility or retained his eligibility um and so i think that is simply he's test in the waters if he doesn't get um you know if he doesn't get the grade that I, you know he thinks he deserves i could very well see him coming back um i don't think i don't think kayla i don't they're not a package deal you know what i mean um now maybe it was back when we were recruiting kobe like hey kobe you know if you stay we're gonna bring your brother on scholarship kind of deal i think that ship has sailed um Kobe has wrote his chapter in, in Mizzou history. And I think that, um, you know, with that being said, to quote the uh, infamous transfer portal, uh, you know, declaration that, you know, he could very well come back. But yeah, I think he's just trying to, to chase a dream and get the league. So you're, you're saying initially we've, got 
Caleb on scholarship because Kobe. <laughs> so kind of like we let Drew Locke come to play football so Tommy, we could get Tommy eventually, right? Yep, that's exactly, <laughs> yep, that's exactly what I'm saying. No, um, I just think that uh, – I don't know. It's hard to put into words to – what I'm really thinking, but no, I, I think that there was probably some part of that, like, Hey, we're going to, you know, if you stay, we're going to bring your brother on scholarship kind of deal. But like I said, I think that ship has sailed. I think Caleb's trying to play and Kobe's trying to go to league. I, I agree with that. I mean, Caleb has uh, got a handful of minutes here and there. and He's made some plays when he was in there, just uh, for whatever reason, wasn't, you know, whether it be at practice or small things, whatever, we don't know. He, he didn't get a lot of minutes. He did get some minutes. And I, I believe he can go and be a contributor for a basketball program, just maybe not at SEC level right now. Um, but I'm not at the practice, so I don't really know. And, and Colby is going to see what the NBA is telling him. But uh, reading some mock drafts, about every NBA mock draft I've read has him projected to go in the second round, which I only have two rounds. But if he gets that kind of grade, I, I feel like he's probably not coming back, and uh, I do not blame him. Yeah, no, I don't either. I don't either. I think he's just, like I said, probably sound like a broken record, but I think he's just trying to chase that dream, and if he doesn't get the grade he wants or thinks that they deserve so I could very well see him coming back yeah and then Mohamed Diara who transferred hit the portal from Mizzou uh, announced his commitment uh, I believe it was over the weekend or very beginning of this week he's going to North Carolina State so uh, going to an ACC school where you know, basketball is big, so wish our, our friend Mohammed best of luck. So, on this, I don't know, tell if I'm overreacting. I think maybe we had processed Mohammed Diara out thinking we would upgrade pretty quickly, and that really hasn't happened. We even missed on, um, we missed on Shedrick. A couple of days ago, I don't know. I if that is if that's what happened, which I'm kind of thinking. I think that was a bit too early. I think I think Mo was was really getting there. He was raw when he came in. He didn't speak a lot of English, which was an issue. But man, he he had some good games. I think he almost had a double double versus Alabama. He played really well down the stretch. One more off season, I think, would really help them. And you can tell, and you, you know, he's got the talent. He went to another D one big time program, so. NC yeah. State's no slouch whatsoever. I don't know. I think we might have jumped the gun on him, and I think we'd be in a better spot had we had him on the team. What do you guys think about that? Do you think do you think there's another big man coming in that's going to fill that gap, or what's your what's your opinion? I do. I think that I'd like to see Peyton Marshall, the uh, kid that was committed to. I mean, I know it wouldn't be. Well, no, it would be. Right, the recruiting should be on staff this uh this winter but or with the program this winter but i don't know i could see both sides of that that you know them thinking okay yeah we're gonna give mo the opportunity to play somewhere else 
and you know maybe have an upgraded center but at the same time that's just the gamble of you know the transfer portal and the gamble of doing business i think that i don't know i do think that they'll land a big man in the uh it may not be the one that everybody wants but i do think that they'll land um you know someone of at least equal talent to muhammad I mean, and if that's and I, you know, you're probably right, but like in that case, then why, why even get rid of him? Why, you know, break the cohesion? Yeah, I understand it, man. And I don't know; it could have been a little bit of everything. Like that—that's the thing we can only speculate, and we just we don't know what these conversations are. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for a lot of these discussions between player and coach when it comes to uh, when it comes to the portal. You know I mean, I, I'd like to know. Is it the player that wants to coach that says, hey, you know, you can stay, but we can't honor your scholarship, whatever? I believe that is not good, a good look on college sports as a whole to where I feel the school should be as obligated as long as the player meets you know, the, the practice time, the training time, the academic requirements, I feel that school should honor uh, the scholarships. And uh, the the portal is, it's created a monster, and it's, it's not a pretty monster, and it, it's created a lot of what-ifs for us to speculate. And uh, the only thing I can say is, I want to give Coach Gates and staff the benefit of the doubt because they took what roster they pieced together last year and got us to the second round of the tournament and a top four seed in the SEC. So uh, I'm going to stay optimistic on on that side of things. Rare. I'm a zoo fan with optimism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's me. I'm I'm an eternal optimist for the most part. So, yeah, I'm with you, Skeeter. Like I don't I don't see a reason to hit the panic button. I think this time last year, Coach Gates had been on staff for like three weeks, a month maybe. So, yeah. So did he sign Modiara like immediately? He got Modiara like moments into his pretty quick. Yeah. And Mo was like the best player in JUCO. We're all pretty hyped about that. We were like, oh my gosh, this coach can recruit. (laughs) Yeah. This coach can actually bring in guys that want to play for the program. And then, yeah. I think, I think Mo, let's think about Mo and Noah Carter were really the two big like crowns of that class, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he brought his, to quote, uh, to quote Deion Sanders, he's, he brought his own luggage. His own luggage. But yeah, I mean, uh, Golston, Sternberg, all those guys, Gomelian. Hodge. 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 Yeah. Hodge ended up being an absolute, we, everyone knows listening, but Hodge ended up being like an absolute stud. And I could, uh, see, him go, I could see him getting drafted. I, I was going to say, Hodge is getting a lot of buzz and attention from national media uh, ahead of. The NBA draft uh, coming up this summer. Yeah, and like, 
I mean, that makes sense to me. I know he's like older, but like he steals a lot and he hits threes. Is that not like key to winning in the NBA? No. Is that not what you want? Yeah, that's exactly right. And speaking of NBA, Mizzou, Mizzou made uh, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, all for what his three games of being a Mizzou Tiger. He's he's not cooling off in the playoffs. He's he's playing pretty good. Man, when he's when he hits the court, man, he's good. He is a generational talent for sure. Yeah, he, is. he can shoot like no one's business. Probably as far as basketball, uh, our biggest what if for Mizzou basketball in my lifetime. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, that was certainly a weird, you know, since we don't have a lot going on this podcast, what was your guys' reaction when that happened? Obviously, we didn't know each other, like, didn't have a show back then. But, um, and I distinctly remember there's a bar that shut down that's a urgent care in my town now. I was sitting down with a buddy, and ESPN pops up after he committed, and it was like number one clean cast in the country, Mizzou. And my buddy's like, holy crap, is that real? They're like, yeah, I'm like, we're, we're going to be good now. Like, we're going to flip the script immediately. This, this team this team is going to be a problem immediately. I remember just being on the moon. I remember calling buddies, be like, we got to get down. We got to go to some games. This is going to be big. Um, and that obviously did not happen. What was your guys' reaction when, when uh, the, the Porter signing and all that and all that jazz? I can tell you when the injury news come out, it was like <laughs> – just ripped my heart out immediately. Like, uh, there goes this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, I was baffled. That the when we brought his dad on staff, I was like, well, my biggest shock was when Jonte reclassified. That was a big one class. too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was great to, when Michael, but for John Tay to reclassify and brother, and then be able to play with his brother, that's a that's a huge what if for me. And honestly, we sold John Tay so much more, didn't we? Like, I feel like I it feel like started. I like John. Like, I know more about him because I saw him play so much, and I really enjoyed watching him play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you, Do y'all remember when when John Tay got hurt? And it was like the day after he got hurt, like the day after we lost to Kentucky on that ridiculous, like 10 seconds left. They drive down the field to get a PI. I was at that game, terrible, terrible time. Um, do y'all remember? Do y'all remember how bad that weekend was? That was awful. It was like an exhibition. (laughs) What a terrible stretch. You know, like an exhibition closed. And the only thing to come out of that was, yeah, Jonte's injured. He's done for the year. <laughs> that was so <laughs> terrible. Mizzou and then, yeah, he never, like, you know, never played a Mizzou again. That was it. Yeah, that's yeah. my what if. What if Johnson came back for year three? Yeah. I bet we still have Conzo. I guarantee it. What a timeline. That's about right. Mm. Everything <laughs> happens for a reason. God bless Cam Anderson. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, get this over with. Let's since we're we're on depression. Uh, 
Her boys got swept by Alabama. The baseball season's a loss, so now let's go outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> Golly, Ski. Rip the band-aid off, man. Uh, man, it's not. It, it's the same. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing it's been, though. It's lack of pitching and lack of timely hits. We're getting base runners, but not the base hits with runners on base. Uh, and then our, our pitching is, you know, if the when we do score, you know, middle of the game or toward the end of the game, the next tweet from the baseball account is, well, Alabama's back up after a pair of home runs in the top of the seventh. <laughs> you know, and it's it's frustrating. It's it sad. Is. It's tough. It is, especially because this team had a lot of hope. And, man, I'm going to say something. I know the injuries were a big part of it to this pitching. I think losing that heartbreaker in game one of the South Carolina series, it it did something to the team. And, it, yeah. you know, it seems like from that point forward, they, I don't know if they lost confidence or what, but, man, they just – they did. They didn't have that. They didn't have what they had before that. Yeah, I would. I don't know if I'd put it at just one game specifically, but I would say one series. Like that series was not ideal. If you could set the tone for a season, go down and win at South Carolina. You know what I mean? Like, and they, yeah, they should have won two out of three in that series. Right, and that would have yeah. been that'd have been huge to sweep Tennessee and then go down to South Carolina, win that series. That would have been huge, but. Yeah, I mean that's a fair point that that started the slow slow spiral that we've seen since. Baseball's a head game, man. It is, and so many things have to go together. Like pitching, well, you know, then you got to hope that the other team's pitching is gonna, you know, equal yours at least, and then you just got to, you know, home run derby. Or vice versa, if you got a pitching duel, well, don't got a pitching. Yeah, scratch duel, one off you know, somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you got to put it together. Uh, I mean, there's. It's not a shot at any of the players. It's just, I I let my anticipation and excitement build a lot off the start of the season, uh, starting down in Arlington, and then. You know, opening with the sweep against Tennessee, I'm like, man, this is. I was bought in. I was, if I was at the poker table, I said, I'm all in. You know, and oh, absolutely. Uh, now that we're getting to the river card, and it's it's not not looking good. Uh, so, but it's not not a shot at any of the players. It's just we're still a couple pieces away from being where we need to be to be competitive every weekend in SEC play. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And I did, I did go online and look after the sweep to Alabama and the head coach is signed through next season. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, there won't be no fire beezer tweets coming from my account. (laughs) I don't know, man. They could still can him. Yeah. 
they could still can him. He's picked up a couple recruits already. One from the KC area, I believe, this week. Yep. Uh, so he's still recruiting for next year's team. So uh, he plans on being here at least. Uh, anything else to say on any Mizzou sports for y'all? No. No, that pretty much covers it. Well, let's talk outdoors. Uh, the last two weeks, I've worked six days, uh, six out of the seven days. So my outdoor activities are, well, I, I work outside 50 hours a week. So I get that. But uh, as far as recreational outdoor activity, I don't really have any stories to tell. So I'll leave it up to y'all. Time is yours. Um, Cole, did you get it all out? You get out at all this weekend or this past week since we talked to you last? Uh, yeah, I've been. Um, so I work Saturday. Let's see, I worked. No, I had a meeting at work. Uh, I worked Sunday, Monday morning. So I got out uh, yesterday and today. Um, yesterday was kind of interesting. We, I mentioned to you guys before we started recording that two of the private properties that I'm hunting, um, just tons of hens, man. Like, and I don't, I don't think a lot of them are even on nest yet. You know, that makes it very difficult to hunt a gobbler that is, I mean, you know, has endless hens that, you know, the real thing, the real deal. He doesn't need to come to a call. He doesn't need to come in and check out a decoy. So Tuesday, you know, dad and I, dad, my brother-in-law, Matt and I all hunt the same property. Um, these birds are roosting in the same bottom and the same, you know, three or four trees. And the birds are all roosting together. Like hens and gobblers are all roosting in the same tree. So that makes it even more difficult because even if they're super early, we're going in blind or whatever. You know, then by the time goblin, and if you're not set up yet, well, then there's even more eyes on you. Mm-hmm. And then if you do have, uh, you know, if you do have an opportunity to get in and get set up, well, then, you know, you're you're trying to compete against the real thing. So Tuesday I get in, got in super, super early. Like I was standing in the bottom with those birds at like five o'clock. And uh, at Bardow goes off gobbler immediately answers and he was not where i was expecting him to be so i slowly start creeping my way it is a dead calm morning i mean zero you i mean you could hear a mouse fart that's how quiet it is and so i get as close as i'm comfortable with getting get set up and my plan was to not make any noise because the bird for the most part is flying down to the same area and moving the same direction off well this day he was up in the draw a little bit further than I was expecting. And so I'm thinking, okay, he's going to pretty wide open draw. I'm thinking he's going to pitch down into the straw. The hen's going to come in after him. And, they, you know, they're going to walk off into the sunrise together. Well, that is not what happened. He goes to pitch down. And I'll back up a little bit. I had changed my mind from not making any noise to all I did was a limb yelp and a fly down. And that was it. I didn't do any cackling in the fly down. Didn't do any cutting. 
literally just flew down and was scratching the leaves after the flight out. And every time I'd scratch those leaves, he would gobble. I'm thinking, okay, here we go, man. It's finally, finally going to happen. And uh, what does he do? He pitches out of that tree and goes through the draw to the other ridge and starts moving the other direction. Now, his hen that he was roosting with flies down to, boys, I'm not joking, probably three yards. Like, as she's on her way down, I can feel the wind coming off of her wings as she, like, you know, goes to put the brakes on and stop. I'm thinking, okay, sweet. This is perfect. Like, she's going to peck around here for a little bit. He's going to know which way she went. He's going to come down and get her. And then, you know, they'll do the thing or whatever. Nope. They went complete opposite ways. I don't know if they were fighting in the tree. But he went up uphill up the ridge and worked away and she worked downhill down towards creek bottoms so after that it was just a cat and mouse game the rest of the morning trying to trying to figure out where he went and get tabs on him um today i went out after after hen up uh what we call hen up you know the breeding period of the morning got out about nine thirty. um went to a different property and I did not hear or see anything. So what I'm going to start doing is uh, start hitting the public land pretty hard, even though, you know, it's probably been pressured a decent bit. I still have more ground to work with. I'm not my limits. Find a bird. That's, uh, that's about it. Found some mushrooms, found some morels. We had a good fish fry this past Sunday. But yeah. Beautiful weather, I'll say that. Has it? Has, for Has me, it been beautiful weather? It didn't snow. It didn't snow on me Saturday like it did you. But yeah, let's let me talk for all my northern Missourians listening. Um, I went out Saturday morning to uh, my property. I hadn't been there yet. I had an idea where they might be, um, but I posted up posted up in a spot I like, and that was the wrong decision. Uh, they were all way further back where I, th- I originally thought they might be. You know, you ever go against your gut? That's what I did. That was stupid. Um, so I sat there and I was like, well, I'm going to give it some time. As I gave it some time and the sun came up, it started uh, snowing on me. Uh, in fact, I was texting Cole while snow was accumulating on my phone. Um, I did see like, I did see nine deer. Uh, they... Every every deer in the county came by to say what's up. They said, oh, I'm out of season. You're not going to shoot me with that turkey load, so I'm just going to walk right past you. Um, I swear they know, dude. I swear they have turkey no and deer no. I sat they in, do. I, yep, I sat in my tree stand last year, and I had about a flock of 14 turkey walk right past me. Um, I had my bow on reason and shoot one because I was afraid of breaking one of my expensive broadheads. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I saw a bunch of deer. That was awesome. Um, and then I, I, I leave about 10 a.m. And um, my dad was moving this weekend. And my dad we had to move a gun safe, a big gun safe full of guns and ammunition. So I helped do that. That was terrible. And, uh, <laughs> and then the next day I helped my dad move some more. So I didn't go out Sunday because... Um, I'm not a professional hunter. I'm not sponsored by anyone. I don't make cool YouTube videos. And so when your dad needs help, you have to help your dad. You can't go hunt. So that is all I got out out of this weekend. Um, 
but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do some more scouting tomorrow night. Um, not going to the draft. I actually had tickets to the draft here in KC for work. But when it's a work ticket, you don't get to go with your boys and have fun. You're going with your boss, and you can't act like a fool or else you'll get in trouble. So I really don't think I'm missing too much by not going to that. Um, so I'm going to do some scouting. I'm going to try and get out uh, one of these mornings. And then um, Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to go out there. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like just the most optimal time is obviously that first two hours of daylight. So I'm gonna try. I got I got to plan my spots really well. I you know I always I was talking to to a buddy about this uh, about turkey hunt. He's new to it, and you can tell what you guys think. Man, if you don't if you don't pick your spot right, and you got to start moving around, I feel like your chances of getting a bird go down to like ten percent the rest of the day. Um, just curious for you, Cole. What times of the day have you shot a bird? Uh, it's my very shot it was youth weekend i think i was seven years old that is the only bird i've killed off the roost and of course i was seven i wasn't doing any of the work it was all dad calling for me but that is the only bird i've ever killed off the roost everything else has been after 9 30 really yep yeah wow i was just okay. telling a buddy of mine today um i was texting back and forth with him as i was sitting in the woods it was about 10 30 and um just asked him how season was going. He's like, oh, it's going great. He went to Nebraska and Kansas to hunt and then had filled one of his Missouri tags. And he was right now. I get a text about 12 o'clock with him toting a bird out over his back saying, you know, got it done. And, um, you know, as I'm asking him, you know, okay, you know what, tell me the story kind of deal. He was just saying patience, you know, they were gobbling all day for him. Um, and finally the birds just couldn't take anymore. They came in to investigate and that's what, that's what, you know, got it done. I told him, I said, patience has killed more birds than, you know, we'll ever know. But patience is also, lack of patience has saved more birds than we'll ever know. And in one of the podcasts, I was, I was listening to one of the Honey Public podcasts. Um, and Warb had said, you know, a good point that he brought up was, States like Missouri with one o'clock or I think Tennessee or Illinois does like a noon, um, noon closure for the, for the day, man, you gotta be aggressive. Like, you know, we only get three weeks and of those three weeks, we only get what, like six hours to hunt. Mm -hmm. So with that, man, you just gotta be, even if you're spooking birds or bumping them or whatever, even if you got to move around, you know, you can't, in my personal opinion, you can't just like, sit around and and hunt try and hunt birds that aren't there you know what i mean like if the birds aren't there it's not like deer where they're just gonna like kind of migrate through if you don't have turkeys on there you're almost better off trying to save your time birds and then hunt those birds when you find them there you go i mean i feel i feel like i when i get up and start i'm not saying like i don't get up and move around i'm saying when like you go and try and throw a, a dart at a new location, start calling. I don't know. I, I have never had success with that. Every bird I have gotten has been off the roost because uh, uh, it's either an opening day and I, I picked correctly or um, it's later in the season and I started to pattern where they were and where they're yeah. flying down at. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that goes back to the like historical 
you know, encounters or historical kind of that goes into play, like where you see scratching or you see birds frequently, you know, the weeks leading up to season, you know, they're going to like those areas and based on weather conditions and, you know, how many hens are on the net, um, pressure birds have been, it's been, sometimes you just wait around and other times, yeah, you can get right in in there up underneath their tree and wait for them to fly down. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how I've taken a lot of birds is just knowing, like figuring out where they're going to be. I mean, the last bird I got in last on the last day of the season was because I eventually pinpointed where this Tom was going to go. And I was correct. Um, But yeah, I mean, so I've got some ideas on other properties. I'm going to go check out. I left one alone because my uh, nephew was going there. Um, I said he almost got it done. He got, uh, he got within 50 yards, but he couldn't quite get it close enough in the seal deal. That being said, and I'm sure people listen don't like this. I I'll shoot a bird fifty yards. I've shot two turkeys at fifty yards and dropped them. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, get, to, you get a good enough TSS. choke. I don't. And I've never shot TSS before. I've no, I just I don't know a good choke, and I know I know I know my shotgun well. Yeah, and that's um, that's huge. Yeah, that's a big I'm part with you. of it. I, I've, I don't shoot TSS here. I can't stomach. I don't know what the price breakdown is. Yeah. What is it like $8 a shell or something like that? More than that, man. There's six in the case and it's like 45 bucks. What's that breakdown (laughs) to? Eight bucks. Yeah. Eight bucks a shell. Yeah. Right. Eight bucks a shell. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, But that's what I'm doing this week. I'm looking for that. Uh, I was going to bring this up. I kind of mentioned earlier, we're not not professional hunters. I got stuff going on. Uh, We've got my wife is amp because we're getting together and doing brunch on saturday with our college friend group that's at 11 a.m they live on the exact opposite side of Kansas city i live on so they're about 45 minutes from my house the land i want to go hunt is 25 minutes north of my house so that gives me about those first two hours and that's about it to hunt saturday and saturday forecast wise looks to be the best day of the weekend yeah so uh, that's just the kind of game you got to play when you are uh, when you are living an adult life and got things to do. You got to well, make it I, work. I all I ask is this: just simply kill a turkey so we can hear the story. That's all I need. You to yeah, do. really. <laughs> <laughs> just go kill a turkey, and I will try to do the same. Yeah, that's what we need for the show. Well, there's. Uh, <laughs> A couple shout outs we need to do. Uh, Superfan Phil and Mizzou Baseball's own Dylan Leach hit the walk-off winner against Missouri State. And fast forward to the next morning, he's got a bird down. So uh, congrats to those hunters. And and, uh, on the following morning. Oh, really, too? Yeah, Yeah, he got one as well. Yeah, right. so super fan so, Phil. He uh he went over to Illinois. He drew a tag in Illinois, and uh, him and I were texting back and forth over the weekend. He was, uh, he was cracking me up because he was, you know, I think Illinois closes at one, and uh, they got back to wherever they were staying. And he was like, "There's a freaking bird." He didn't say freaking, but it's like, "There's a freaking bird strutting in our backyard," and it, he, I swear time it is and it was like you know 130 when he was telling me this but it's like that's how it goes man that's turkey hunting that is turkey hunting right well 
there is one Missouri outdoors season getting ready to close on the 30th, and that will be the spoonbill uh, season. So not sure if y'all ever got into that, ever been into it. Uh, I have. I did I that remember a lot growing, growing up. I was going to say, when I growing up, I always knew when my neighbors went spoonbilling because they took the heads and stuck them on T-post. Yeah. Uh, hmm. And and so that's how I knew it was spoonbill time. And it's it's not as popular as it used to be, I, I don't believe. No, I mean, down, um, down the Osage, um, I think they had Lake the Ozarks. But I'm not sure exactly where they go, but we used to always do it on the Osage. We used to have a river house down there and would run up run up river and yeah have a good old time i mean it'll wear you out very yeah. very quick but it's a lot of fun you are skeeter you're one of the only people i know that call them spoonbill but i'll forgive you for it all right fellas well as always have a good week uh excited for some zoo tigers to get their name called on draft day and get some get some more black and gold in the nfl uh at their next chapter and next week we're going to talk about the when OU and Texas join who are the three uh, annual opponents that you would want uh, I'd be interested to hear what y'all think and also I want our listeners to to tell us who they want to play every year so yeah. be thinking on that all right well, thank you M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Go Tigers. Y'all take care.